Welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and I am joined here, as always, by my co-hosts, Ben and Colin. In today's episode, we are going to cover uh, the MLB lockout, and we're going to propose solutions to fix baseball. Uh, We are going to talk a little college basketball. Tournament's a couple weeks away. Selection Sunday, I think it's less than two weeks away, actually. Um, So maybe give out a couple futures that we like, maybe some Cinderella's. And then we're going to introduce a new segment that I think we're going to start to roll with not only through March, but I think we'll start trying to do throughout the rest of the summer when there's not a lot of sports going on, brackets. We are going to make random brackets and fill them out. And to end the episode, we will officially pledge our USFL football teams. All right, but let's get right into the first thing. The big story throughout sports, Major League Baseball, the MLB Players Association could not agree on a deal. And we have the first week of baseball canceled. Sad. Very sad. And after the very false hope that we got on Monday night, even more sad, which now we come to find out that that was kind of just more of a PR stunt than real actual hope. I think the thing is, all throughout this entire thing, I try to be objective as possible because I have a long-standing hatred for the owners of the Cincinnati Reds. So by default, I hate most owners, but I try to be objective and realize that it takes both sides to bargain and that there could be blame on both sides. But I think as for what has come out, especially in the past 24 to 48 hours, the owners care more about winning this deal, the money, then actually getting games on the field. And I think that became very, very clear. Um, It came down to the wire, especially over the last 10 days. But I just found it very, very alarming that multiple times when Manfred, the commissioner, was asked yesterday about why did we wait so close to the season? The purpose of the lockout back in December was to start negotiations then. And when asked about that question, his answer basically was, the only thing I got for you was we gave it our best the last 10 days. I just thought it was very, very vague. Um, It just seemed also there were so many players that were of the mindset of don't leave the table. Um, Let's hash these out, continue to do it. And once the deadline met, that it seemed the owners were basically like, okay, go home. We'll figure this out later. And it just kind of sucks. Obviously, we don't know every single thing that's going on in there, but it surely seems much more on one side. And you feel, too, for some of the, like, some of these stadium employees that are going to lose money and, and currently won't have a place to work for the next month, whether you be at the spring training facilities or at the actual stadiums come beginning of April, it's just, there's some of the things you don't even think about that are, people are going to be affected. Um, and then last thing, it just continues to signify how tone deaf major league baseball is. I mean, it has been known as America's pastime, stuff like that. And that has completely changed um, over the past couple of years, especially with how, how I know I know we had the NBA lockout back in 2011, but since then, NBA is on top of their stuff. NFL is it's just so much more well ran. That's part of the reason why so much popularity has gained. And at a time when MLB was already losing fans, and that's just a fact when you look at the numbers and the ratings, to have this now happen, um, I think is just kind of tone deaf. Um, it's a sport that is not in touch with their fan base whatsoever. Um, I know. The fans that are saying I'm never going to watch again, that's not true. They're, they're, they're going to come back, but still, it's, it's tone deaf. And last thing I forgot to say originally when I was talking about um, talking about the owners, what was it? There was one more thing I wanted to hit on. I don't know. I'll come back to it when I think of it. But it just, it's just a sucky situation in general. 
It, it truly is. And the fact that they're, I, I was looking at the tweets earlier to remind me about what exactly they weren't agreeing on. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of just the, uh, like the arbitration numbers, which I feel like these are things, you, all these owners are rich and I'm going to get into the, a little bit of the financials when I propose my solution um, to fix, to fix baseball in general. But um, it's a lot of things where it's, it's, Like the players just want more money and the way free agency is set up, it's for baseball, it's set up for players to not reach free agency when all the money in baseball is in free agency. So it makes it really frustrating when you have players that, you know, are on these cheap deals that were late round picks, didn't get a big sign bonus, grind through the majors to make a, you know, name out of themselves. And then they have to play. I think it's, five six seven years somewhere in that range before they're eligible to be a free agent and sign wherever they want and it's it's a real shame and a lot of change needs to happen um but just looking ahead a lot of the reports for monday i had confidence that there was going to be a deal by tuesday and from what we heard on tuesday it does not seem close i think they're going to take it like a week by week thing where if there's not another deal signed Monday or Tuesday, then they're going to do like another week of games uh, canceled that there aren't rescheduling either. The players even offered to do like double headers to make up some of these games. And it's, it's a real shame. Another thing too, I do remember what I wanted to add is there was a really alarming quote um, in the press conference with Manfred yesterday, where he talked about, the last five years, he this is what he said. He said the last five years, revenue wise, have been really rough for Major League Baseball because of the pandemic. I think that is trying to play the pity card. If you look at yep. it, I mean, the pandemic didn't start five years ago. It, we're coming up on the two year anniversary here in a couple of weeks. And if you if yeah. you just look at the numbers, purely my, my, uh, numbers based, for those three years prior to the pandemic just the actual ticket revenue were higher numbers than they ever been before. The viewer ratings weren't as high, but at least the revenue ratings were still high. It was not a rough time money-wise for those three years prior. And I think to pin it all five since that last CBA on the pandemic and to just play that card, I just think is another, I mean, it's something like that is so easy to be refuted because you can find all those numbers. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. It's it's bad, and I I think Major League Baseball fans have known this for a while, but I think the whole sports world over the last kind ever since the whole Astros scandal, it's really been you know hitting the nail on the head that Rob Manfred is not only bad at his job, but he he might be the worst commissioner. And not only in all of active sports, but potentially sports history. And it's just the fact that the owners, all the owners of Major League Baseball are the ones that pay the commissioner. So essentially, the commissioner is working for the owners of Major League Baseball. And I don't know how that happened, but that doesn't seem right. The commissioner needs to be in charge of everything as opposed to the owners being in charge of everything. That's why... We have a shit fucking sandwich with this. Agreed. Completely agreed. I mean, it's just kind of like he's a puppet. 
and I don't really know what other way to put it. Um, it's, it's just a really, really sucky situation. And as much as I want to be optimistic, it would not surprise me whatsoever if we don't see a single baseball game played in all of the month of April. At least not a regular season. Yeah. Would not surprise I, me whatsoever. I, I knew for a while. I, I've known, Ever since I knew that 2021 was going to be the end of the NBA agreement, I knew that there was probably going to be a lockout or a strike or something along those lines. And I knew we were probably going to miss a lot of baseball games. I personally am not on the optimistic side of this. And I'm saying I think Major League Baseball is probably going to have a uh, – I, I threw out like 4th of July kind of start date. That's what I think. I think it's, it's going to be tough because the owners do not want to lose any more money. And the players, the players want to get this right. They really do. You know, and with Max Scherzer out of all people, you know, leading this, I, I don't want to make Mad Max angry. <laughs> They're going to drive up ticket prices then if they were to start that late. Yeah, this is true. Guy, okay. I, yep. we need to get out to some games. Though. I know, I know it's going to be tough for you guys. You're not, you know, you're going to be living at your schools. Ben's got his radio show, but. Those were my favorite summer days last year. Oh yeah, those trips out to the ballpark. Shit, even the tri- even the, even a Wrigley game. I'll give those Wrigley bleachers are fun. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> what's, Donovan what's and I had Spider- a fantastic doubleheader in the Wrigley bleachers, and it was two teams I don't even like. I talking to Lorenzo Kane. <laughs> I my best it, friend. It's gonna be hard to top that. I mean, it's not often you are talking with an MLB outfielder while the game is going on. Yeah, that was uh, – I will cherish that. Um, but anyways, I think now the next step is to go into my proposal. And before I get into it, I don't I, – it doesn't feel right for me to say my proposal. I have to give a big shout-out to Foolish Baseball, great YouTube channel, great Twitter account. I don't know if either of you follow him, Ben might or at least he's probably seen a handful of i'm not subscribed but i or i'm not subscribed to his youtube channel i don't follow him on twitter but i still have seen a handful of his tweets because whether people like him on my timeline and his videos come up with my recommended so i've seen him please like subscribe go listen to him a lot of these ideas are from him i want to give him credit but uh he came out with a video a little over a year ago talking about how Baseball needs to change, and the fact I watched the video last night and I watched it again today. Took some notes on it. Um, a lot of it is relevant even to today, and it blows my mind. So the three ways we there's three ways we can fix baseball. It's on the field, financial, and the fans. Okay, I'm going to start with on the field play. The games are too long. Okay, baseball has turned into a very long and boring sport. When your average runtime for a game is over three hours, you're going to lose the average fan. So you got to shorten the games, whether that's pitch clock, um, whether it's limiting the amount of pitchers you can use in a game. Um, that's got to be something. But I think what it boils down to is there needs to be more balls in play. There's not a whole lot of balls in play we're seeing a lot more of the three true outcomes, which is either a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. If we want to watch baseball, if we want to see baseball succeed, there's got to be balls in play. I want—I don't care if they're ground balls or fly balls. 
I'm sick and tired of pitchers, you know, having 15 strikeout games and three walks, but gave up three homers. And those were the only things that happened. It's boring. So more balls in play. So how do we do that? Since 1893, the pitching mound has stood 60 feet, six inches away from home plate. Okay. 1893, people were probably throwing 60 mile an hour fastballs back then. Okay. It's changed. People, the average fastball velocity last year was like 98 miles an hour. It's insane. I think you have to start off by moving the mound back at least two to three feet. With that, you'll give hitters more time to react to fastballs. But if you want to look at the benefits for pitch, it gives them a lot more uh, movement on their breaking balls. Imagine trying to hit a, I don't know, a Chris Sale slider when it's got an extra two feet to move. That's going to be nasty. So I think that is going to help both keep their bean strikeouts. Strikeouts are a part of baseball. They are important, as well as keeping the ball in play. Um, and then we started to see it last year, foreign substance. It's either have an agreed-upon foreign substance for pitchers for them to use and have a juiced baseball for pit, or for hitters so that we can see, keep seeing the ball fly or have need go back to pitchers not using, not being able to use anything and just having a regular used baseball. You can't have one or the other. It's got to be one of those two options. And then the final couple things I have is get a universal DH, which I think is official now that we are having agreed upon universal DH. Um, changing the shift rules, I don't have an idea for that, but I've heard you have to keep two infielders on each side of second base at all times. Maybe that's something, I don't know. And then I think a 12th playoff team format would be good. And then maybe add in a couple years down the road, uh, maybe a couple expansion teams for that as well. So that's the on, on the field stuff. Any thoughts from you guys? I like some of the stuff you mentioned at the end. Um, I think I'm not, I'm not opposed to the current 10 team playoff system, but I also like the idea of 12. I mean, you're looking at the three division winners and um, I don't think if you're going to move to six for each side, I don't think you make it towards like first and second. Cause remember during the lockout or the short season, the 60 game, they did the first and second. I wouldn't do that. I would say three division winners right. and three wild cards. And I'm yeah. assuming that's your thoughts. I like that idea. Um, and obviously for the longest time, I was not a fan of the DH, but I think now that Michael Lorenzen is no longer red, it's all right. So especially <laughs> it helps the reds too especially with uh, a, a couple of the outfield pieces they have, not necessarily being the greatest defenders. And it even gives you the possibility to, to move Votto to DH a little bit at the end of his career. So um, I think there, those are some things that most fans would be on board of. And it just seems that the game's moving more that way, regardless. Yep. Wait, wait, in a, if you had the three division winners, three wild card, would it be the same format as the NFL? Where I the think top so. Two get a buy, and then we yeah. have a best of three series between. Yeah, I think it would be a best of three series. All three of the games played in the higher seeds ballpark, essentially. So it'd just be three straight days. So essentially, you give from the end of the regular season to the start of like the second round. You have the first two seeds having maybe five or six days off, something like that. So it is a little, you know, rust versus rest debate but it could be something like that i think it's a good solution to the whole because i was 
I mean, it's always exciting when you're not a fan of it, but I would hate if the White Sox were in that one game wild card. I, oh. I, I oh. know, I know you, you know what that feeling is like. I, that would oh. suck. I, I'm glad that there is a solution to fixing that because I thought it was a problem. I like that three team because they, they definitely experiment. I feel like the whole 2020 thing. Um, yeah. What was it? 14 teams to make it. Great way to experience. So, no, 16, 16, 16. 16. It was eight 16. and eight. Yeah, yep. There you go. And what the, the whole first round was th- best of three for everybody. Yeah. And that worked out pretty well. So that's probably where they get more from. I think eight is too much though, because with that system, you're having two third place teams make the playoffs, yeah, right. which you can have a really good division because I believe was that, did that year have three teams from the NL West? Or was it just the Dodgers and Padres? I think I it was just the Do- it was the Dodgers and Padres, but I think the NL the NL Central had four teams that year. Okay, so like because it was even though the Central Cardinals, was Cubs, decent, Reds, Brewers, yeah, yeah, even though the Central was decent, like I still don't think if you come in fourth place, you should make the playoffs. Right. So, um, I would definitely stick. I think twelve would probably be the max I would go, but I like the idea of twelve. Yeah. And yes, right. I I know the feeling of my team competing in a one game playoff. Donovan's gotten to see his team win one and lose one. I've only seen the Reds play. I watched the lost. I watched a highlight recap of the one we uh, lost to Colorado a couple of days ago, and I yeah. got angry watching. That um, was to a, give you an idea how stressful. It was. Absolutely disgusting <laughs> game. And just to exactly. think, literally forty eight hours prior to that game, the Cubs were the number one seed in the National League. Like if they win one more game, the NL runs through Wrigley. And then I, like, I, it's, right, it's so right, crazy. I'm moving that that on. I don't, I don't shut the fuck up. All right. <laughs> I'm not even making fun of you. I'm just saying how rare that was. That was insane. So tight. Anyway, the next thing MLB needs to fix is finance. And this is where it gets a little complicated because there's numbers thrown around. So bear with me. The number one thing you need to do is pay the minor league players for the love of God. Yep. Single A players, average salary was eleven thousand dollars per year. That's not livable. You have to pay these guys a livable wage. So, I would, and not just single A, for single, double A, triple A, and rookie ball. And there's probably other minor leagues I'm missing. The com, com- combination of all the minor leagues have an entire minor league system. The average pay for it was $1.8 million a year. That is insanely low. These are guys that get drafted out of high school or college, play a couple years, but when it's not baseball season, they have to work another job, a job that might even pay them more than their baseball career. So my proposal is instead of paying your minor league system $1.8 million, you set a floor and right now, I just threw out a number. I would say anywhere from seven to ten million of a floor going towards minor league. That's including housing, meals, training, just making them full time employees, which you're paying them a lot more. But in hindsight, if they are full time employees, you give them more time to train, more time to be in shape, and you will get guys that you draft, I don't know, the 25th round competing more, and they might end up becoming major league level players there are plenty of players in the minor leagues 
that were drafted in the late rounds. Uh, I know Tommy Pham is one of them. Tommy Pham was a 16th round pick, and now he's like, what, like a two-time All-Star or something like that? So there's that. Um, and then kind of the other one was kind of signing bonuses. Um, give those mid-round picks higher signing bonuses. For instance, Josh Hader, you know, potentially the best closer in baseball right now. Uh, his signing bonus was $40,000. And a former MVP World Series champ, Jose Altuve, we all have our opinions on him, but his signing bonus was $15,000. So it's one of those, you got to pay the players. And then kind of the last thing with financials, um, I kind of touched on it a bit earlier, but service time. I think the most famous example of this was Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant was lighting up in the minor leagues, lighting up spring training, and the Cubs kept him in the minor leagues for three weeks because if they kept him in the minor leagues for three weeks, they got an extra year of him. And the whole service timing thing is really weird. Um, so I'd say with, yeah, I know. It's so bad. My proposal for that is to move the service time cutoff date after the all-star break. So it's a situation where it's either you play a guy at the beginning of the year and hope, you know, you lose an extra year of eligibility to have him, but you're with that guy for a full season or move him in after the all-star break. So um, that's my thing. And then the last thing was the service time counter or the service time clock starts once you are officially on a major league baseball roster. This is the thing with the most famously with Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson was a late bloomer in the minor leagues. He didn't make his major league appearance till it was, I think he was age 26, 27. So by the time he was traded twice, won an MVP, couple gold gloves, silver sluggers, when he finally hit free agency, he was 33 years old. And he never got a chance to sign that, you know, seven-year, $200, $250 million contract that he could have. So I say you start the service time clock once the guy is put on the 40-man roster. That's my thing. And then uh, let's see here. Oh, and then the luxury tax. I think Ben, Ben knows a little bit about this. The luxury tax in baseball is the dumbest thing ever most leagues have a salary cap baseball doesn't um it's just if you go over this amount of money you just have to pay a tax on that's stupid set a salary cap i say at about 210 million dollars but with that set a floor of it at about 120 140 million dollars why you may ask to encourage teams to go out and not tank because they would have to go out and sign players. A nice example of this was the 2013 Astros. Now, this is long ago, but the 2013 Astros won 51 games. Terrible. That year, they ended up getting the number one overall pick. I think they signed Correa, which ended up paying off pretty well for them in the long run. But their combined payroll that year was $26 million. That's one year of Paul Goldschmidt now, okay? It's insane. So if you set a floor, not only do you kind of get rid of tanking, but you get a teams like, I don't know, the Pirates, who haven't had a high payroll since they had Andrew McCutcheon on their team competing. 
And I think that's better for baseball. And then um, the last thing I have on that is the owners, their argument is that if they do that, they're making a lot less money. That's not true. Every single every year for the last 25 years, owners in Major League Baseball have made a profit on their teams except one year, and that was the pandemic, which, let's be honest, not a whole lot of people made money during those times. But, for example, David Glass, back in, I think, the 70s or 80s, I could be completely wrong on those years, but hear me out, bought the Kansas City Royals for $96 million. A couple years ago, he sold the team for $1 billion. And this isn't a supposedly dying sport, okay? He made over $900 million over the course of 30 years. You have the money. Spend the money, and it'll be worth it. If you don't feel like spending the money, fine. Sell your goddamn team. That's all I have for financials. I think you make a lot of really good points. Sorry, Colin. I was just going to say real quick. Um, I, I, I really like the idea of with the service time manipulation, moving it to around all-star break, because then it makes you make a final decision going into spring break. Hey, are we going all in this year? We're ready to compete. Are we like the Cubs of 2015 or the Padres two years ago when they were getting ready to go with the Tatis thing? It makes you make that decision right then and there. And it's, if you call them up after the all-star break, um, and you want to get them some time in and it's not going to count for service here. Fine. That's, that's completely fine with me. You're you're he's playing from what middle of July to the end of September, most likely if you're not a playoff team. But I think, I mean, look at the Padres decided to, to just disregard the whole service time manipulation thing. They didn't wait the three weeks for Tatis. They said, we want to compete now. We want to see him on the field now. And he was our starting shortstop out of spring training the year his debut. And that has worked out completely fine. I don't think anyone at the Padres regrets that decision. So um, I think I think moving it to the All-Star break is a really, really good idea. I, I completely agree that there needs to be some sort of floor. Um, and I really like what the NBA does with it. I think theirs is 90 – the minimum um, – cap is 90% of the cap for each team. So, I mean, I don't have the exact numbers, but you can get a general idea of that. Cause well, like the pirates and Orioles paying, having payroll of around 20 million is just criminal. I mean, that, that, that can't happen in the game and tanking, I think is bad for the game. Um, that's kind of obvious. Uh, so I think adding some sort of four, it doesn't even have to be 90%, but even, a 50 million at least um, that I think that would go a long way in major league baseball. Cause when you go in, you already have uh, and maybe the Rays are an exception. I don't know what their payroll was in 2019 when they made the world series or 2020, whichever year it was that they made the world series. I know this pretty well, but when you have teams paying 20 to 40 million, I mean, they're already basically out of contention. So, I mean, that's just not good for the sport. I think there's some people owners probably like that the Rays made the world series. So then they can be like, Hey, look at that. The Rays did it with no money. Why can't the rest of you guys do it with no money? So, well, it's that, and it's the whole money ball argument. I mean, yeah. most people have seen that money ball movie, Billy bean. Look, it worked for a season. They won 21 games in a row. Shit happens. Baseball's 162 games played for the last like 200 years. Some weird shit's going to happen. 
And I don't think two instances is something you can hang your hat on. Yeah. Um, and, something needs to change. And that movie has a lot that not just the movie, but the situation, the whole Moneyball thing has made a profound impact on the game, especially with the analytics movement. And that's going to only continue as time goes on. I hate right. to be that guy, though. The athletics did not win a World Series with that that res- regime. So, I mean, like, yeah, as successful well, as it was and shown the 90s. That, yes, you can win on occasion with the low payroll. It's just not necessarily where the game is moving. And we're seeing it in every sport now. Um, the Dodgers won the 2020 World Series. The Rams and Buccaneers the year before that. We're seeing the teams that are spending a lot of money um, going all in teams. Are, I mean, the NFL is not a good example because they do have a hard salary cap, but the teams that are willing to go over um, are the ones that are succeeding. Um, so Donovan and Ben, do you guys think with the luxury tax, how do you think they should, how, how would you approach that? Because I wouldn't necessarily say go to the NFL hard cap model, Um but do you think they should impose maybe more a tougher penalty for the teams that do go over, especially for like ex- consecutive years? Well, the thing is, is that with the luxury tax, not a lot of teams even go near that. You do get teams that, you know, I remember the year the uh, Red Sox won the World Series, they took on a lot of big contracts. They took on they they got that David Price. And that was still back when they were paying that those awful contracts to uh like Hanley Ramirez and Pablo Sandoval, and they still had like Ortiz on the team. So they had a lot of big guys that they were paying. What was the result of that? They won the World Series, yes, but a year after that, they traded Mookie Betts. So that's the thing where it's like a team might go for it and get that luxury tax, have to pay that stuff, and then after that, they'll completely you know, wipe everything and start all over. So I don't think the luxury tax – I think you have to get rid of the luxury tax and go hard cap because now you get teams that are tanking, but then you also get teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees that seemingly clinch a playoff spot from what they do in the offseason unless they get bar any you know major injuries. Yeah, no, I think you're dead on there. I don't really have a whole, else, a whole lot else to add. I like that you brought up the Boston situation. I was actually – going to do that before you said it, just because, I mean, everyone asked, hey, why are you trading Mookie Betts? Why are you letting all these, these people walk out the door? Well, it's because they were so far over the luxury tax that the penalty was strong enough to make them say, hey, I know we have all this money and we just want to ring, but you can't keep going this far over. So I, I agree. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but would it be beneficial to the, the entire game as a whole? I do believe so. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Let me get my – oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, yeah, I was going to say the Yankees, and they, they had almost a streak of like 15 years of paying it in a row. They had one year, it was probably 2018, 2019, that they didn't go over. So it kind of reset for them, Yeah, um, which is huge for them. But, I mean, yeah, that's – you can't have that. Something's got to change. The NBA even, um, they don't have it nearly as bad with having teams going like that every single year. Um, and I, I really do think that imposing a decently high uh, salary floor will go a long way to helping that the competitive balance in the league. I mean, yeah. Trevor Bauer made more money alone on his contract last year than what the Pirates and the Orioles. I mean, that was going around at the start of last year. So puts things, puts yeah. things in perspective for sure. 
Yeah. All right. The final argument is fans. Let's be honest. We've heard it for years now. Baseball is a dying sport, fans-wise. And this is a way we can get fans in the stands. So obviously having shortened games and pace of play and more balls in play would play a huge factor in this, but I'm leaving that out because we already kind of talked about it. But The first thing I would do is get more young kids playing baseball. Uh, I don't, Ben, I know you've watched MLB Network, so you've seen the commercials. Pitch, hit, and run, RBI, those youth groups, make more of them. Right now, they're only in the big cities. I know they're in L.A., there's one in New York, Miami. I think there's one in Chicago, stuff like that. Make it in every major league city. Just have a club. And those clubs are mostly meant for, you know, kids who want to play baseball but don't have the money to pay travel because that's another argument. Travel baseball is just way too expensive nowadays. But um, get more young kids playing. That's the first one. And now this one's a little interesting where this was a big one. Foolish baseball brought up once again, shout out. But um, Monday through Thursday games make he, he proposed all I'm saying at least half make half the tickets free. The average fan spends almost $50 a game whether it's on food, beer, concessions, whatever, that's not even including parking or, you know, souvenirs. If you make your games free to go to, not only do you get more butts in the seats, but you're also, concessions are going to go through the roof. Look, you go to Wrigley, you pay $7 for that hot dog, and everyone complains because you also got to pay 60 bucks for a seat up in the third deck. But if you go to a game for free and I have to pay $8 for a hot dog, I'm not going to complain as much. So that's just me. But Monday through Thursday games, make them somewhat free. Get more butts in the stand. And then um, the last thing is just kind of better market your stars. I think what baseball really needs to do now is capitalize on Shohei and capitalize on Fernando Tatis, two foreign players that – especially Tatis, where he's from the Dominican Republic, but he speaks such good English. Not only can that appeal to the American audience, but it appeals to the audience overseas. And same thing with Shohei with Japan. It's, uh, you can reach more markets. And if you get more people watching baseball, only good things are going to happen from that. And the last couple of things are kind of obvious ones. Um, no more MLB TV blackout games. Those piss me off. Just let us watch a game in our own damn cities with our own damn announcers. Please let it happen. You can maybe even have like a baseball version of Red Zone. I think that would be cool. And then uh, the last one is MLB Network. Please play more minor league games. I know it could be a little risky, but instead of having the same damn show run 18 times a day, Put on some minor league games, highlight some of the you know top hundred, top fifty, top ten prospects playing in those games, and I think, you know, that would be great. So that's that's my final argument for the fans, and my final argument on how to fix baseball. But with those minor league Sorry. games, um, they'd have to. The only problem with that is they're not going to spend the money to send an entire crew out there. 
to minor league games. So they just have right. to pull from those like lower quality streams, which isn't the worst thing ever, but yeah, that in mind. Couple of things here. Um, one, the blackout restrictions. I know it's not entirely on the MLB because part of that is to do with the TV providers for these selective teams, but there has to be some way to figure it out. I mean, like the Reds, one of the Reds' biggest rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals. I can't watch on because I don't have the St. Louis channels. I don't have a TV provider here at the University of Missouri. And I can't, I get the Reds package through MLB TV. I can't watch the games anytime the Reds come to Missouri. And that's like 20 games a year. And I'm not yeah. being like prorated cost wise to miss those 20 games a year but because of the blackout restrictions. And it was the same thing when, um, when I'm home in Illinois, at least home, when I'm back home, I can watch the Cubs games, Cubs Reds on TV. But like, there were times when they would play, like we'd be at school and they'd play a 120 game and I'd have extra time in class and want to watch on my phone, but I can't because of the blackout restrictions. So it's just really inconvenient. Um, I know it's not, some people think it's completely on the MLB when it's not. It, part of it is to do with the TV providers, but there's got to be a way around that because like, it's just more what I said earlier with the tone deaf thing. I mean, NFL gives you every way possible to watch these games, whether it all the national ones you can get on your phone, the red zone channel you can buy. They even made it more this year where you can now um, you can buy just the direct TV Sunday ticket stream. There's a way now online where you can buy the stream without actually having direct TV and you can buy the stream to Sunday tickets. So like, if you look at some of those other sports, the same thing with NBA game pass, like they make every way possible to watch all these games. And then an MLB, it's like, well, if you're in this area, I mean, if you live in Indiana, like you miss out on like three baseball teams. So it's yeah. just not growing the games. And then one last thing, I like the idea for the free games Monday through Thursday. I don't necessarily think it's realistic to ask that, especially, sure, it would help teams like Pittsburgh, Miami, even Cincinnati struggles a lot on those weekday games. But at least when they've been – even when they weren't good, Wrigley still packs the seats. Uh, there's some of the big market teams where I just don't think it's realistic to expect them to do that. Um, even though and you that's, get more I, people – I just and don't. I think that's why it would have to vary. I kind of just said it at half, but you can kind of yeah. just make it vary where you're right. Wrigley, no matter the day, no matter the time, there are going to be asses in the seats, no matter if they win, you know, 100 games or they win five games. There are going to be people there showing up. But, like, for a team like, I don't know, the Mariners, if the Mariners suck, I don't see a lot of people, you know, in – What's their stadium? Safeco now? Safeco. Oh, no, it's T-Mobile. It's T-Mobile, whatever. Whatever. The only time I've ever seen that stadium full was at the end of last season when they were good. And that was awesome to see. But it just wasn't like that all season. I mean, I don't – I feel like I haven't seen PNC Park over 25% full since, like, 2017. Since the Guido game, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I I had to throw on a jab. No, I've moved on. I've – I've moved on from that era of Reds baseball. <laughs> Actually, no, I haven't. I still think about the 2012 NLDS on occasion because they were up 2-0. But the 2013, that has been – I've moved on. That team wasn't wasn't going to win at all. But yeah, no, that's that's all I have for uh, how to fix baseball. Once again, yeah. shout out Foolish Baseball, Foolish Bailey. Uh, I know he does not listen, but I'll keep shouting him out. All right, our next segment, college hoops. March Madness is coming up. Um, it's officially March, by the way. Congrats, everyone. We made it. 
Um, one of the best sports months of the year, if not the best. Um, I would still prefer October over March, but March is still good nonetheless. Um, regardless, college hoops, conference championship games have already started, um, but we're getting into the thick of it. A lot of teams are winning conferences. We saw the Badgers uh, win the Big Ten yesterday. Good for them. Uh, Big Cat had a lot of fun. We've all seen those pictures. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to talk about how we think the tournament could go. Colin, I know you are going to talk about some Cinderella teams you like. And I'm going to talk about some uh, some value future bets. I think that was the correct way to put it. Yeah. Um, last year we had Grayson on, our good friend Grayson. Yes. Um, and we'll try and get him on again. I, I have to reach out. Oh, for sure. He helped us out. Uh, we'll, we'll have him on once we actually get a bracket, you know, and yeah. uh, you can help. You can give us his advice on how to fill out our brackets. But last year, uh, we had Grayson on to talk about some of the top mid-majors that we didn't know much about. This year, I've really done my research. I've watched a lot of games. I've been following hard. So I constructed a list of my top five Cinderella candidates for this upcoming bracket. My favorite mm-hmm. of the year. This is March. Uh, do you want me to get into that now? Yes. Okay. Should I go one through five or five down to one? Save your best for last. All right. So anticipation, you got to build it up. So um, you might, anyone listening, you might not hear a couple teams on this, like maybe not a Loyola Chicago or a Murray State. Only reason I don't have them on here is because I don't really see them as Cinderella's. They're probably going to get a seven through 10 seed. Um, and if they were to make a run, it wouldn't be that surprising to me. So my number five team I'm going to go with is the Toledo Rockets out of the MAC. Mm. Um, Interesting. They have been consistently the best team in the MAC this year. Um, they're still leading it now. They're about to clinch the regular season title. And unfortunately, they're probably going to need to win the tournament to get in. I don't think they're going to get in that large. But – I mean, they have a great assist-to-turnover ratio, may, uh, much in part due to Ray J. Dennis, Oswego East legend alumni. Shout out. Um, he's he's actually, I mean, this, not even trying to sound biased here, he is so huge to that team. Um, he's the glue guy. The coach loves him. Uh, and I'm glad he transferred there. It's been working out great. Um, they have very so efficient. I'm glad that he transferred forward. there. Yeah. Um, Although Boise State's also having a hell of a year. They're, yeah. They might be the best team of the Mountain West. But they have a lot of efficient scores. They have a terrific starting five. Um, my only worry about Toledo is their depth. Um, they're, I don't know how well their bench is going to produce. And they've held their opponents under 40% this year. So they're getting it done on both ends. Toledo is my number five team. I think I'm going to pick them no matter what if they make it just because Ray yeah. uh, Vermont is my number four team. The Catamounts of the America East. They're they're usually consistently like the best team in that conference. They have one loss since December seventh. Think about that. Mm. Think about that. Uh, they're mm. very well, they're very well coached. They as well have one of the best assist to turnover ratios. They don't turn the ball over. Um, they play smart and they shoot the ball very well. So Vermont is my number four team. My number three Cinderella is the Iona Gales. 
Yes. A lot of people don't know anything about Iona except that they have Rick Pitino. That's all I know. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Rick Pitino gives them a chance against anybody, and they beat Alabama on a neutral four at the beginning of this year. Um, all the good teams they played, I mean, they stuck right there with them. Um, they've looked like a tournament team the entire year, so I give them a chance against anybody in the first round. Number two, this is going to be a very popular pick um, when the brackets get released, but South Dakota State, yes. they are 18-0 and in the Summit. They're Jack second, Rabbit, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, they're second in points per game in the country. First and field goal percentage. Get this. They, I don't know if there's another team in the country that shoots 40% as a team from three. They shoot 45% from three as a team. It's insane. They have so many good scoring options. Um, and they're very efficient with it. They have a very fast pace of play. Um, and they're a lot of fun to watch. So I think that having that is um could take them along. It, I could see this team, if there's any team probably seated like 13 or worse, I think South Dakota State has the best chance to make it out of the first weekend. Uh, my number one Cinderella candidate is North Texas. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year they be upset Purdue, Purdue, right? Purdue. Yep. Due in the first round as a 13 seed. I think this team might be even better than last year's team, despite only having six returning players. Um, they're number one in scoring defense this year. They only give up 55 points a game. Um, think of this team, the North, this the, the mean green is kind of like a Virginia type. Um, they have the, along with Virginia, they have the fewest possessions per game in the country. So they really, they, they play the game at their pace and there's really nothing the other team can do about it. Um, they're great defensively, and that gives them a chance against anybody. They have lost once since Thanksgiving. Since Thanksgiving, they have lost one game. Um, so, I, yeah, my two favorite teams are definitely North Texas, South Dakota State. I'll probably be picking both of them as upsets. Um, but, yeah, the, the high-powered offense and the defense, like if, if you have a team that really excels in either of those categories, they have a great chance to upset. Um, also, just if you look at the past few years, this is the reason I put them one over South Dakota State. Uh, if you look at, like, defensive efficiency last year, number one in the country was Abilene Christian. They upset Texas in the first round. Uh, Loyola Chicago, I think, was number two. They beat number one seeded Illinois in the second round. Uh, UAB was up there. They fought. They, they, didn't, they didn't win their first game, but they made it close. And Houston, who – uh, so certainly wasn't a Cinderella by any means, but they did make the final four. Um, and then this year, keep an eye on teams like San Diego State. They're number one in defensive efficiency. Uh, Houston's up there again, although they don't have the offensive talent that they did last year. Murray State, I believe they're like 28-2 and two now. Uh, they should get like a 6-7 seed in the tournament. Uh, St. Mary's, who just beat Gonzaga at home. They've been on fire recently. They have some great wins this year. And North Texas is in the top 20 as well. So keep an eye on those teams. Defense wins championships, even in college basketball. Especially in college basketball. Especially in college basketball. 
All these teams and no mention of the Missouri Tigers yet. So that is leaving me somewhat perplexed. No, if the Missouri is the if the Missouri Tigers find a way to make it into the tournament, they are most definitely a Cinderella. Yeah, I think a lot would have to go right, but I will try to keep the optimism. Optimism. Uh, I will try to keep the optimism that a what ten and eighteen team will just figure it out. March second, that's the day they figure it out. (laughs) All right. Um. I am going to talk about some future bets. So looking at the uh, numbers right now, you have Gonzaga, Kentucky, Arizona, Auburn, Purdue, and Duke, the top six teams. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. In the last, I would say the last five years, there's been brackets. I've had somewhat of an idea of at least, I could narrow it down to, maximum of five teams that I thought were going to be playing in the national championship game. In all five of those years, I had somewhat of an idea. Last year, especially, I had was confident from day one, Baylor was going to win it all. Baylor won it all. Um, this year, I have no fucking clue who is going to win. I have no idea. All these teams have flaws. Gonzaga is the favorite right now. I've never been the biggest Gonzaga guy. I don't like how they play in a weak conference. Just for the love of God, play in the Pac-12 and I'll believe in you. Okay, but here's the thing. I, here's the thing. I have one comment on that. Okay. The West Coast Conference is about as good as the Pac-12 this year. They might have more tournament teams than the Pac-12 this year. They'll at least have the same amount. But Interesting. I, I, I'm with you there, though. Um, but they, they need to play in a tougher conference. There. Um, yeah. Kentucky... They're good, yes. Right now, would I pick them? Potentially, I just – Kentucky's always choked. Ever since they won it last, which was like almost 10 years ago, it feels like, um, they've always kind of just – they haven't looked as good. Um, Arizona, you know, this. I'm, I'm glad Arizona's good again. Uh, basketball is better when Arizona was good. I don't love them, though. Um, Auburn. Honestly, if it wasn't for – I forget his name, but the guy who's going to be the number one pick, I don't think Auburn would be nearly as good as they are. Jabari and, Smith, he does – he bails him out a lot. Yes. And even in some of these losses, he'll hit some crazy big shots at the end to kind of bail him out when he shouldn't have. But Mizzou absolutely stifled him. Held him to five points when he came to Mizzou Arenas. He has wow. nightmares about Columbia, Missouri. <laughs> he was two for 15. I just looked in that game. I uh, Auburn, I'm labeling as frauds. I'm just doing it now. Um, Purdue, honestly, after what happened last year, I cannot trust the Big Ten team. Um, I physically cannot. And then Duke is Duke. Um, honestly, right now, if I was to pick, I would probably pick Duke as my national championship only because I think they would rig it for Coach K. Um, but that's just me. I don't love Duke, though. So here are my picks for some high odds and high chances. I think all of these teams that I'm going to say, I think have a legit shot in the final four. I do. So let's start it off at 23 to one odds and a team that I've been thinking about having as my champ, Texas Tech, really good defensively. I love picking teams out of the big 12. I think the big 12 is the best basketball conference. Um, they continue to play well. 
they always have shooters. They always play good defense. I love the Red Raiders. And this is their first year under uh, Mark Adams, too. Yep. Yep. They lost Chris Beard, and they've responded great to that. Yes, yes. Um, At 23-1 to odds again, Villanova. Villanova just gives off those prime San Antonio Spurs vibes where it's they have the coach, they always have veterans, and they don't fuck up late games. They have Gillespie. I swear to God, this guy's 40, and he's just still college eligible. It's insane. Um, They're always going to hit shots. They're always up there in free throw percentage, shooting, defense. Those are all things you need in college basketball. I think Villanova's great. I was going to mention that's exactly why they're so great late in games is because they make their – I'm pretty sure they're number one in the country in free throws. Oh, I'm a sucker for free throws. Um, at 30-1 to 1 odds, Illinois. Now, Illinois was a big up – was upset big last year, first weekend and done. They won the Big Ten last year. I still cannot think of someone who could stop Kofi Coburn. He is that effective. And as long as Andre Corbello can stay out of foul trouble and he can play a full game, I think Illinois does have a shot at the Final Four. I don't think they're going to get one seed, um, but if they can slide in as like a three, four seed, I think there's a legit shot that they can make it to the Final Four. The thing with Illinois, Kofi, Kofi's probably the shack of college basketball. That's, that's yeah. the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, he's very tough to stop, even for the best defensive uh, centers. He, and he attracts so much attention in the paint. Uh, what re- what really matters for them is, one, getting a healthy Andre Curbelo. They need him to play at his best because when they do or when he does, um, I think they can beat anybody in the country. Um, but it ha- he has been very inconsistent. But he does have the ability to kind of take over a game um, and play it at his pace. Also, they've had kind of streaky shooters this year. They've had some droughts. Um, I believe they're when they lost to Rutgers and almost lost to Northwestern, they had a really rough shooting drought. So if they can stay consistent, they definitely have a shot at the Final Four. Yep, yep. Um, this one is a very hot topic, very hot topic team. But I really do think this team is a Final Four contender, no matter how lucky they are. At 75 to 1 odds, Providence. And I think, especially yesterday, um, at after they already clinched the Big East, first time they ever won it, they went to Villanova and they kept it within a bucket. That is amazing. At 75 to 1 odds, that's a steal. A what steal. S- what state is the University of Providence located in? Uh Rhode Island? Yeah, 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 yeah. I just found that out as well. Could could not have told you that if you gave me like 15 guesses. I'm a bit of a geography expert. I'm not going to lie. I could could not be on the farther of the other end of that. I I couldn't have told you where Missouri was before I moved here last year. (laughs) Jonathan, I will Uh, add, I will add Providence also last night was without their second leading scorer. There you go. Yeah, they, I think that Bynum, I think that Bynum kid's legit. Bynum is legit, and so is their center Nate Watson. Yep. They, and I I think their coach Ed Cooley. I think he's gonna win. It's either gonna be him or the Wisconsin coach. I think. I think it should be Ed Cooley. They're twenty four and four now. They won the Big East. 
I, I think he's well-deserving. And you're right. They're a weird team, and it's kind of a weird year for it to happen. Nobody saw this coming. But they yeah. finally get to win, and they're very well-coached, so I can see it. Yep. And then finally, um, this is my long shot. Um, at 150 to 1 odds to win the national championship right now, best defensive team in the country, San Diego State. San Diego, San Diego State was, what, undefeated like two years ago, a year ago, something like that? They're really good. They have been for the last handful of years. They're really good again. Um, I I can ride with the Aztecs. I Yeah, that that's um, with those. 150 odds, to one odds. My only concern with them is like they – I don't know who their second scoring option is, um, but they're so good defensively. Uh, and I think they're a lock for the tournament now because they just won at Wyoming. Yeah. It's a huge win for them because I think Wyoming was like second in the conference. So that should lock them in. Um, but yeah, when you play that good of defense and their, their best player, I can't, it's something Mitchell, I believe. Um, yeah. Bradley, I'm sorry. Something Brad, Matt Bradley. He is um, great for them late in games, so that's a good that's a good pick. Yeah. That too. But those are my value picks. Um, other than that, we can kind of briefly talk about our uh, little Twitter fiascos, Colin. Real quick, before you guys get into that, one team yeah. I want to see how they do at the SEC tournament first, but Tennessee. I just saw them come to Columbia last weekend. They're currently, I believe, what, third or fourth in the SEC standings? Yeah, the third. They're at 13 and four in conference, 22 and seven overall. They can score. They're a high scoring team. And Kennedy Chandler, the guard, I believe he's a freshman too, is really, really good. I mean, not that Missouri is an excellent defense whatsoever, but I watched him run circles around the Tigers last weekend, and he's been doing it all season long. So I want to see how they do, especially because I'm kind of with you, Donovan. I don't love Auburn as much. Um, it wouldn't shock me if it's Kentucky that wins that whole SEC tournament. But yeah, um, at the third best team right now, Tennessee, I just – if they go in kind of hot off an SEC tournament win, and especially with Chandler leading the way, and they have some other good, like, seniors too, but that's a team just looking at SEC. I like Tennessee it. at 33-1. to 1. I like – I actually really like Tennessee, and I really love Arkansas too. Yeah, Arkansas is a good one. Strides at the Arkansas, right is, Arkansas is 50. 51. They've won like 13 of their last 14, and their one loss yeah. was at Alabama by like a, one or two points. Yeah. Arkansas is really hitting their stride. Tennessee is so tough to beat, especially at home. And I think those two play this week. So I'm really interested, interested yeah. to see that. And but I that's think the thing with college basketball. We have a lot of good teams, just not a lot of great teams. Yeah. Kentucky, too. I'm um, Os- Oscar Chibwe, the Chibwe. He's yeah. my player of the year right now. He, If you watch him play, he's so dominant inside the paint. He's only like 6'9", but he gets 15-plus rebounds every game. He, I think he averages 15 rebounds. Jesus. He's insane. And they have some, they have some really good guards as well. Um, and when you're looking at, like, teams that could win it at the top, I like to look at um, teams that can do it on the road. Because yeah. you've got a lot of teams, like – Purdue, who are great in Mackey Arena. I think they're undefeated there. Kentucky, they're undefeated at home. But can they do it on the road? 
And some of the best road teams, uh, Duke, Wisconsin finds a way to always win on the road. Um, just teams like that. That's huge yeah. um, when all these games are being played on neutral court. Do you look at a team like Rutgers? I mean, they're so good at home, but do you trust them on the neutral court? I don't know. Yeah. Last thing I want to say, I think the team with the highest upside is Duke this year. I think their ceiling is the highest of any team. And if they find a way to go on a run in Coach K's last year, I think it'd be fitting, and I think it's very possible. Because they're another team that – I know they're in a weak ACC, but they've lost only a couple games in the new year, and they are both by, like, one point. Uh, and their, their roster is very, very well-rounded. And, you know, like we said, it's the Coach K final year, so there's got to be some magic in that. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I, uh, I agree. Um, but regardless – we do have a bit of a Twitter fiasco. I don't really know how it started, but uh, we started giving our picks on Twitter. And uh, for the record, I did start off very cold, but I was able to turn around. I had some really good days. Um, I went three and two yesterday, and I went three and two again today. Uh, shout out Florida State. Um, Colin, how did you do today? Today wasn't great. I think because DePaul just pulled ahead, which I'm happy about because I support DePaul. But I'm going to lose that Marquette pick. The Marquette pick was like a win-win scenario for me because if they if they cover, I get the I, I'm right. If they don't, DePaul wins. I think I'm going to go three and four today. Not great. Mm. I'm on Arkansas. Uh, yesterday did go six and one though. Very happy with that. Shout out Matt going seven and zero yesterday. Before today, yeah. Shout out Matt. Before today, I was sitting at thirty nine twenty two and one. So I think that's sixty four percent. I'm doing pretty good so far. Yeah, I went uh, two games under five hundred for the month of February. Not great, um, but right now I'm two games up in uh, two games up in March. So I'm overall dead at five hundred. So if you want average picks at best. Follow me on Twitter. Yeah, y'all got to start riding with me because my picks are – they've been doing pretty damn good. But um, I think we I think we need to start doing some uh, wagers. I think we need to do, like, at the end of every month, put some money on it. Who has the highest percentage? Okay. Um, I'd, be I'd, be, I'd be interested in doing something like that. I'd but, uh, you know, I would like to make a bet with you once I know you're good for it because, once again uh, – I still do not have an essay from what, like a week six game. Are you kidding me? Can like you like, seven months ago? Can you seven months ago? Can you text me like outside of the podcast and just give me a little reminder? Do I need to call Briar and buy like a poster and put it on your fucking wall? I owe Donovan a one page paper apologizing. Saying the Buffalo Bills could not beat the Chiefs by 17 points would at Arrowhead. That would get it done. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Was there not a double down bet on the AFC championship game? I, I no, he didn't was... take it. He okay. didn't. I, I did. I did. It. I did take it. I didn't no, take it. He didn't take it. Oh, no, we no, no, go no, back. No. We go, oh, we will go oh, back. We, we we'll will go back. Straight. We will I'm go back. Sure it's only one one page now. It was only one page. It okay, was one. Well, it was a one-page paper. 
And I said, double or nothing. And you said, no, I think the Bills are going to win. And then you curse the Bills. You son of a bitch. Okay. Okay. Maybe I didn't That's say what happened. I, there was no way I was going against the Bills in that. Game. I gave you an out. I gave you an out. I couldn't go take it. Buffalo. I had to stick true to my heart. Yeah, and they lost because you jinxed it, you son of a bitch. They lost. You probably flipped they that coin. Stop a you definitely they flipped stop that coin. A score in 12 seconds. They had 12 seconds to get a stop, and they couldn't. Enough, do it. enough, enough. We're moving on to our last segment brackets. Everyone loves a good bracket. We are doing a 64 team bracket shout out the boys at a uh, light cam lights camera bar stool for having this bracket i'm sure they're going to be posting brackets all month so we'll definitely try and do some we'll tweet this out um on the podcast you guys please give us your answers but they're selected into four regions the happy meal region the no sundays region big menu region and the welcome to chili's region now how do you guys want to do this? Do you want to go through each game or do you want to give us like your elite eight and then we can move on from there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's, let's give the elite eights. That we elite have. eights. Okay. So let's start with the happy meal region. Colin, why don't you go, you know, I'll list the teams and the, I'll list the 16 teams and you give me the two that come out of the elite eights. Does that make sense? Okay. Yep. All right. So the matchups for each of this, one-seeded McDonald's versus 16-seed David Busters. Um, also, I don't know how you guys are ranking these. Are you going – I'm doing a combination of things. I'm going a combination of how good the food is, um, price, the experience, and then maybe some specialty items because some places got, like, some really good random shit. So we'll figure That's that great. out. 1C McDonald's, 16C Dave and Busters. We got Fleming's and Subway, uh, Capital Grill, Panera Bread, Burger King Logan's, P.F. Chang's, uh, Zaxby's, Chipotle, Torchy's, Panda Express, California Pizza Kitchen, Outback, TJI Fridays. Give me the two best. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know necessarily if these are the two best, but just based on how the bracket went. Yes. Yes. I have was I had McDonald's coming out the top. Mm, Interesting. However, eight, whatever that is. So I had McDonald's beating Dave and Buster's. I've never had food at Dave and Buster's. I don't. Uh, I had them beating Subway. I didn't mean Subway. Subway is very mid. Um, I had it being Panera. I, I think Panera is good. Um, it's certainly a healthier option than McDonald's. But listen, we're talking, we're talking not only the look, I could still eat the chicken nuggets, they're fire. I could eat a mix. We're talking breakfast too. The McDonald's breakfast is very good. I don't I don't care what anyone says. I could go there any morning, get me a sausage, egg, and cheese bagel, a McGriddle, whatever the hell it is. Um, also they have the shamrock shakes. They have the McRib. Look, McDonald's makes it out of that top part. The bottom, I had to go Outback over Chick-fil-A. I love Outback steak. Mm. Easily. Mm. We're, mm. Talking, we're talking Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is not. Yeah. Chick-fil-A is the one seat you, of the no Sundays. You idiot. You fool. What? 
Oh, okay. I'm looking at the wrong one. I had Outback over Chipotle. I'm sorry. Yes. Outback mm. over Chipotle. Look, I like my Chipotle, but there's other places I would take over that. I'd take a Poncheros and get a burrito there over Chipotle. Outback, I'm a sucker for a good steakhouse. You get they're expensive, but you get this, you can get a steak, you can get some country fried chicken, you can get a salad, sweet potato with all the shit on it, and the blooming onion. Don't get me started on the blooming onion. The blooming onion. Mm. So I have Outback and McDonald's. I have Outback beating McDonald's. It's just yeah, fantastic. Colin, Colin and I have this exact same side of the bracket. I mean, for me with McDonald's, part of the reason is I don't necessarily think it's the best food, but especially if someone that has to make six-hour drives to and from Missouri, often late at night, I mean, it's very dependable. It's very easy for me to eat while driving. I mean, if I get like 10-piece nugget and fries, take it on the road, I mean, it's convenient. I'm not spending more than $10 for the meal. And it's a great I, price. I mean, I went home when I got COVID Super Bowl weekend. I got it Friday night when I drove home and I got it Monday afternoon when I drove back, not because I love McDonald's, but I knew it'd be quick and easy and it wouldn't interfere with my ability to drive on the highway. Um, and then two with Outback. Uh, what was I going to say? I, yeah, I have, so I had McDonald's over Panera. I like Panera a lot. I actually had Panera for lunch today, but, um, and then the other side of the bracket, you pretty much hit on everything with Outback, Colin. So Outback over Chipotle. I had a funny one. I had Panda Express losing to California Pizza Kitchen because for me, me Panda Express is either really good or it is the absolute worst. It all just depends on what day. Yep. Like I'll, I'll get a bowl with the orange chicken and rice and there's times where like it just sucks, but at the same point in time. So yeah. You know, I didn't even mention the McDonald's Sprite. I like, McDonald's High C, are you insane? You got to get the spray. I, I think McDonald's that. Coke is the best. My God. Look, they right. have, every every, every right, drink right. is good at McDonald's. Yes. All right. Fair, fair. Um, but I'm going to tell you guys why your Elite Eight is completely wrong. Out of the top part, I have Panera. Here's why. Bang for your buck is going to be my biggest thing. The you pick two from Panera is potentially one of the most genius ideas ever. You're telling me I can get a full sandwich and a bowl of mac and cheese or a sandwich or a chicken Caesar salad for like 12 bucks, a little expensive. Dude, that fills me up. I'm good for the day. Maybe get a side chips. Dude, Panera chips, amazing. Amazing. That's all I okay. need to hear. And then the bottom a, part, bottom part, I got to rock with Chipotle. Oh, so good. Think about it this way. You act a little nice at Chipotle. You get an employee that gives you double steak, doesn't charge you. There's nothing better. There is nothing better than getting double steak and not get charged for said double steak. It's fair. Not to mention, not to mention um, their queso. If you're feeling a little bold, getting the chips and queso on the side, amazing. But my job, biggest... Man. My biggest upset of the bracket, uh, Outback lost in the first round for me. I am a sucker for TGI Fridays, okay? The steak fries alone at TGI Fridays, I, I'm going to say it. This is one of my bold food takes. You're going to hear it. TGI Friday fries better than Red Robin fries. Ooh. 
That's right. I said it. But I think, I, gotta, those are, I think those are very comparable. So I don't necessarily know how bold of a take that is. It's bold. My, it's gonna eyes. anger some people. Um, but yeah, no, that's that's the Happy Meal region. We'll come back once we have our full lead eight. The No Sundays region. I don't really know the reason for these names, but I'm just gonna roll with it. I didn't I, create the bracket. Look at the look at the first restaurant. You know why it's No Sundays? Well, okay, but I why is every bracket named after the or region They're named, all named after the one seed. I get that. Whatever. Okay. Whatever. There was some questionable seeding six- in this region. Yes, I hundred percent agree. Um, Chick Fil A White Castle is the first matchup. Uh, Seasons fifty two Steak and Shake, Red Lobster Dairy Queen, Steak and Shake Pizza Hut, Buffalo Wild Wings Checkers and Rallies, Wendy's Carl's Juniors. Bojangles, Qdoba, Texas Roadhouse, Domino's. Now, we'll go in a different order. Ben, you start us. Who are your two teams in the Elite Eight? First of all, Red Lobster's a four seed is absolute criminal. I mean, I think in my eyes, Red Lobster's like an 11 seed at best. Um, mm. This one was I, – I don't think any of these compete with Chick-fil-A. I mean, I know you only get it six days out of the week, but – um, I don't think it was even comparable. I mean, this is one Chick-fil-A beats White Castle by 52 points and is playing the starters <laughs> the entire or the bench the entire second half. I mean, this exactly. is this is a 16 versus one on steroids. It's not even in the same. This this is what would happen if Alabama played the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. um and then coming out of the bottom, I did think about this matchup for a second. So Chick-fil-A obviously won the top part of this region. And then my other big matchup here was Buffalo Wild Wings against Texas Roadhouse to figure out the other team going into mm. the eight. Um, I just don't necessarily think I'm a fair person to judge Buffalo Wild Wings here, uh, considering I go to Buffalo Wild Wings to get a burger. So I went with Texas Roadhouse here, but I think that is very debatable from like a real judge. But once again, I have the one and two seed in this region. Mm. Bold, bold by the numbers, Ben. I wow. think I think I'm succeeding to the fact that there are massive flaws in my judging ability. Yeah, that's fair. You are the pickiest eater I know. I mean, I guess you could turn it the other way and say like I'm the best judge because I judge like the most plain thing at all these restaurants. So I know like at their absolute worst what you're going to get. Mm. Bold, interesting. But I agree with your first take. It's hard to go up against Chick Fil A. Great chicken. Um, people don't know this. Their mac and cheese, best fast food oh, mac and cheese. Boy, mac and cheese is crazy. Oh, it's incredible. It's the best, the best. I cannot go to Chick Fil A and not get their mac and cheese. And I am far from the chicken tender mac and cheese is the only thing I'll eat. Person, trust me on that. Um, but I will say this: kind of a Cinderella in this side of the bracket. Actual food from Dairy Queen, not as bad as you would think. No, I dairy as I said. Very good. I had Dairy Queen upsetting Red Lobster because I think Red Lobster. Well, I had Dairy Queen. I had. I let's just say I had Dairy Queen keeping it within ten of Chick Fil A. Okay. Dairy Queen is not that good. It's very, very average. Mm. Bold, bold. Um, but I actually, I still got to get to my bottom. Um, a lot of teams in this bottom dogfight. Uh, Texas Roadhouse, great. Buffalo Wild Wings, love them. Checkers and Rileys, 
you go to a good one, food's great. You got Wendy's, you got Domino's. Um, but at the end of the day, I had to go with, I think, my all-time favorite fast food place, Wendy's. The four for four is iconic. Everyone's heard the Biggie Bag commercial. And not to mention, um, I think they have a better chicken sandwich, spicy chicken sandwich, than Chick-fil-A. Oh, man. I said it. I said it. Oh, my God. Two for five spicy chicken sandwiches. I'm good for the day. I'm good for life. Amazing. Um, they did put up a fight against Buffalo Wild Wings, but I have Chick-fil-A Wendy's. Okay. Wendy, Wendy's is underrated. It's a great deal, especially when you're in high school, man. That, oh, that's one of the best deals. Frosties. Oh, to die yep. for. Yep. And I'm, they got the four fours back. Uh, Wendy's deserves some love, but it's not beating Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, I, I like Buffalo Wild Wings more than normal people do because I love the Asian Zing. And they have some good appetizers. So I got beat ups going against Texas Roadhouse. I got I love Texas. I love me some Texas Roadhouse. I'll tell you what. I mean, that as a steak, as far as a steakhouse goes, that's as good as it gets. So I got Texas Roadhouse. I got them beating Buffalo Wild Wings. I got I like Red Lobster. It's good. And then the little uh what do you what are they? The cheese biscuit things, whatever they're yeah, cheddar biscuits. Yeah, cheddar biscuits. Those are those are really good. They're really Great. good. It's unique. It's great. Um, and Chick-fil-A uh, beats out Steak and Shake, which I think is also a little underrated. Oh, we have a shirtless man in the back of Donovan's room. I got Chick-fil-A being Red Lobster. We have Chick-fil-A versus Texas Roadhouse. This one, I, I wish these two didn't match up against each other because they're both terrific in their own ways. But look, Texas Roadhouse – is probably my favorite sit-down restaurant. I got to go with Texas Roadhouse for this one. Um, it's just the cinnamon rolls that they have. It's it's my favorite little. It's not you don't even have to pay for them. It's I can't even call it an appetizer. They're free. They give you as many as you want. I could just fill up on those. They're the best rolls and they have the best cinnamon butter. It's incredible. Um, and on top of that, I can get my steak. I can get my sweet potato again and they even look they kind of cut they copied the blooming onion but they have their own version that's still really good i gotta give texas roadhouse this side of the bracket interesting all right we'll go to the big menu region such restaurants such as uh the cheesecake factory and the image is blocked for me what is what is that other one they're playing Wawa. Uh, Wawa. Yeah, Wawa. Never heard um, of it. Never heard of it either. Culver's Moe's, Popeye's Wingstop, IHOP, Benihana's, KFC, Cheddar's, Waffle House, Miller's House. Well, I can't read it. Miller's I have bracket. House. Uh, yeah, I can't. I have the bracket so small on my computer. Um, Applebee's Sonic, Taco Bell, Ruby Tuesdays. I will start off. The top part, without a doubt, Culver's. Nice. I like that. I said this Culver's thing. all the way. Now, Popeyes and Wingstop, very compelling. Um, Wingstop, very good wings. The thing with Wingstop is that's going to take it down. There's never a Wingstop in your area. I don't know why. 
there's never a wing stop. I'm lucky enough to have one 10 minutes away. I, I love me some wing stop. They're I've are never rich. been I in my life, I've never been 20 minutes away from a wing stop. Granted, Popeyes hasn't been right. that close for me either, but Popeyes, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind with Popeyes is the craziness that went over when they got a spicy chicken sandwich. Um, it was good. I remember having it. Very good. That's why I have them over Wingstop. But other than that, top part, without a doubt in my mind, Culver's. Um, now for the bottom part. Very interesting. Um, KFC, say what you say. Still pretty good chicken. Um, Applebee's, kind of a knockoff Chili's. Um, Sonic, nothing more iconic. I remember when they used to do the whole roller skating thing. That was fun. I definitely had some people give me food after they wiped out on roller skates. That was a great laugh. Um, Taco Bell. So underrated. many good Very underrated. But as a two seed, very high. But there is nothing. There, there's very few things in this life you can experience than a 3 o'clock in the morning uh, Waffle House run uh, after, let's just say, a tough night of party um to keep it to keep it clean for the viewers um 3 a.m waffle house is iconic and the fact that you can essentially just argue with the employees at free will there are so many funny waffle house stories my elite eight features culver's versus waffle house so i have a very similar top portion i have culver's knocking off cheesecake in the second round I think it's been forever since I've been to a Cheesecake Factory. But regardless, um, I, then I had I had Culver's facing off against IHOP in the second round. But regardless, Culver's comes out. I had a lot of upsets in this bottom part of this bracket. One, KFC lost in the first round for me because I got one of, like, the worst sicknesses I've ever had <laughs> right after eating KFC. That was 2016. I have not had KFC one time since 2016. Because every time I like think about KFC, I think about that. Um, I had that. I had Sonic winning. I think uh, so. Let's see. Who do I have Culver's matching up against? I have Culver's matching up against Sonic in this one. Um, some upsets here for sure. I've I've have not had that same Waffle House experience, and I really like Miller's Air House. There's one in Naperville, so I had Miller's Air Ale House beating Waffle House in round one. I'm sure that would change if I had some of the experiences that you had. That Donovan. is a casual take. I just has you. Have you ever been to Miller's Ale House? I have not. But have you ever asked an employee for fantasy football advice and they give yes. you an answer? Because yes. I have. That's why I drafted you can do that Debo Samuel. That's why I drafted Debo Samuel. Either way, I had Culver's versus uh, Sonic in this one. And Culver's ends up winning the big menu region. All right. I got Cheesecake Factory versus Culver's. This is where Culver's takes the L. Um, obviously there's some bias here, but I'm not rocking with Culver's. Fuck Culver's. Um, <laughs> wonder why? Food, yeah, I wonder why. Um, I can't. I just cannot really enjoy a meal there anymore. Uh, so that's it, yeah. I'll, I'll give it. It has a lot on the menu, a lot of great options. Um, but just none of it tastes good to me anymore. So I'm going cheesecake over that. Popeyes, man. I'll tell you what. Popeyes changed the chicken sandwich. They changed the food industry with their chicken sandwich. You see every place is trying to get a chicken sandwich now that didn't have one before because they know people will buy it. 
They changed it. That shit blew. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the language. That chicken sandwich blew up. And it's the best chicken sandwich I've ever had. Still to this day. I think it beats out the chi- Look, with the stuff, with what comes on it, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, the spicy one, is the best chicken sandwich on the universe. I'm mm. taking Popeye's um, over cheesecake. And then I had Cheddar's beating out Waffle House because I don't have a Waffle House here. Waffle House here, unfortunately. Um, and a lot of people don't know about Cheddar's, but we got one close to here. Really good stuff. They have a lot of good options. Um, and then I got Taco Bell uh, beating out Applebee's. Taco Bell is underrated, man. Um, but I think Cheddar's, or you know what? No, I got I got Taco Bell beating out Cheddar's. Um, and maybe that's because I've only had Cheddar's once. Taco Bell, underrated. The Baja Blast, they got a lot of good options. A little cinnamon twist on the side. Uh, those Doritos Locos Tacos, the Crunchwrap Supreme, may not be the healthiest, but they got a lot of good options. All right, and we'll go to the final region, the welcome to Chili's region. We have places such as Chili's, uh, Sheets, Cookout, Jimmy John's, In-N-Out, Maggiano's, uh, Bonefish Grill, Arby's, Waterburger, Red Robin, Olive Garden, Cracker Barrel, Longhorn, Raising Cane's, Five Guys, and Portillo's. First off, let me say this. Without Mm. a doubt, the most loaded region. Easily. Easily. Very tough to pick here. Um, But first off, I got to say it through and through. I got to ride with the homies. I am a Chili's guy until I die. However... I don't know if I can pick them all the way because they used to have this thing, iconic, the three four ten. Yes, where it was a drink, an appetizer, or side, and a meal for ten bucks. Yep, insane. And then they also had the two for twenty five, which was also great. But they changed it. They changed it to three for ten ninety nine. Now it's not much. But it doesn't just sound as good. It's completely different. I do have chilies in my Elite Eight. But at that bottom region, we may see an upset. Who could see? Um, but we're Chicago guys. There's only one option here. It's 15-seat Portillo's, without a doubt. Okay? I, everyone's going to say it. I haven't even talked to you guys. I know that's what you're going to pick. I hope that's what you're going to pick. But you can't go wrong. With the hot dog, you get the beef. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. A Portillo's cheeseburger shits on an In-N-Out cheeseburger any day of the week, okay? Get a salad. That's fine. You get a poppy seed muffin. Those are fire. Don't even get me started about the cake shake and the cheese fries. Portillo's, just, they're a lot. I don't care they're a 15 seed. They're going to the Elite Eight. Yeah, it's, and it's criminal that I have to choose between Portillo's and Raising Cane's in the yep. round two. Yeah, I mean, that's we, we had this debate last night because we were filling out these tier lists. It, got, it was a heated discussion, Cane's versus Portillo's. And I'll tell you what, Portillo's has Cane's beat out because of their wide selection. Cane, here's, here's the great thing about Cane's is they have, like, one thing you can get on the menu, and it's so damn good. They excel at it. 
It's like you go to the Krusty Krab, you're getting the Krabby Patty. You're getting the chicken, you're getting the cane sauce, you're getting the toast, and you're getting those good-ass fries, too. Um, everyone gets the same thing there. It's it's always good. But Portillo's, you everything is good. You can get the Italian beef. You can get a Chicago dog. Uh, you're right, all the shakes. Whatever the hell you get at uh, Portillo's, even the burgers, it's going to be really good. Um and yeah, just like the, the chocolate cake and all, it just puts it over the top. So Portillo's, I have going against Chili's. You you kind of hit on Chili's. Um, great environment. Uh, I, I I love our Oswego Chili's. We we've we've had some oh. memories there. Oh. Um, some good employees, good service, <laughs> and I always Best. get my favorite thing that I've gotten there is the uh, the fajita tray. The, the chicken is so good. Um, and you can craft them yourself. I have that beaten out Maggiano's great pasta place. Mm. Um, they have a lot of good stuff there. But Chili's beats it out. Chili's also has some great chips and salsa. I think that's very underrated. They have their queso and guac. Um, a lot of good appetizers. I forget, I used to get – I think they had a type of Bloomin' Onion type thing as well. Um, but they got rid of the sauce for it, so that's an L. But I have Portillo's beating out Chili's because I'm from I'm from Illinois, the suburb suburbs of Chicago. I gotta stay true to my roots. Portillo's makes it out. Also, one other thing, um, for me and Colin's sake, uh, let's just say Jimmy John put up a fight in the second round. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I I mean, before I started working there, I Jimmy John's, I definitely had that as one of my favorite sub places definitely above subway for me oh yeah i've Easily. always said i wish jersey mike's is on here because that's always been my number one cold sub Agreed. they even have some good hot subs yep i think anything i say here is mostly repetitive at this point it was a if i was just picking my two favorites out of this region over chilies my two favorites would be portillo's and canes i mean i think especially with canes if you get the box combo, I substitute the coleslaw for extra bread. So, like, I feel like I'm getting a ton of food, a ton of good food for a pretty decent, reasonable price. So that's – it was really hard. I still went Portillo's over Canes, but it was, it was like, a really tough selection. I mean, I think there's – I don't know. I'd have to look at some other matchups. But I think Canes beats out a lot of other – a lot of other things on this bracket. So I had them easily beating Longhorn in the first round, and it was really tough. Um I and that's even with Portillo's. I beating five guys. I like five guys too. You just have to take out a loan if you want to go get burgers, fries, and a drink yeah. from five. That's guys. what I'm saying. It's like twenty bucks for a burger, yeah. fries, and a drink. So I had Portillo's over uh, Chili's. Uh, moving on, I like Chili's too, especially because I always get. Um, I feel like I feel like for me, Chili's may have the best restaurant chips and salsa. Um, yes, I, that's just my my vote. So. And that this was a definitely a really good region, um, but Portillo's moved out of this one. So what now? I guess we're moving on to Final Four at this point. Yeah. So we'll we'll just do a, we'll reiterate our each elite eight, and then we'll just kind of narrow it down to national championships. So I'll go first. Um, so in my happy new region, I had Panera and Chipotle. Very tough, um, but I'm a big variety guy at Chipotle. You're either getting a burrito or a burrito bowl, really. At 
Panera, I have options. Someday I can feel sandwich. Someday I'll feel salad. Someday I just want to feel lazy and get the mac and cheese. I'm picking Panera to make the final four. Call me crazy. No Sundays region. Chick-fil-A or Wendy's. Chick-fil-A is great. I love Chick-fil-A. I have a bottle of Chick-fil-A sauce in my fridge. I eat it with I do as well. anything I can. It's amazing. Um, but once again, I, I grew up on Wendy's. I love Wendy's. I'm a Wendy's guy through and through. Give me a Frosty. Give me a Baconator. Spicy Nugs. Some barbecue for like four bucks. Are you kidding me? They're in the final four. I think Wendy's for me Big, took a severe hit after Alex Emiliano refused to eat anywhere else for an entire summer. I don't know if you guys <laughs> remember that. I do very, very well. Oh, I remember. I, I remember. It might have been the summer before senior year, but there was a lot of times where we would be playing basketball and then it was eight or nine o'clock and it's where we going to get food from. And it was Wendy's, no debate. And I just, I got very burnt out very fast. Now, um, the big menu region, Culver's or Waffle House. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Waffle House. Culver's is just a better Wendy's. It really is. Burgers are better. I prefer their custard over a Wendy's Frosty. The cheese curds. Oh, more places need to have cheese curds. And Culver's does it right. Culver's is in the final four. And then Portillo's or Chili's, man. I mean, this, honestly, this could be most people's national championship right here. Uh, Portillo's or Chili's. I'm a Chicago guy through and through. Um, but I hate to say it. I got to go Chili's. I'm sorry. I have to go Chili's. And then my national championship uh, between Panera and Wendy's. I'm going Wendy's. And then Culver's and Chili's. I got to go Chili's. Okay. Um, some of ours are similar. Let me see. Um, I, this is tough for me because I wrote all mine down, so now I'm referencing the seeds. So I had McDonald's and Outback in the top region. And as convenient of McDonald's is, just the taste itself and that experience of Outback, I think, blows that out of the water. Um, I, think there's a, I think there's a good amount of restaurants that are just taste better than McDonald's, but there's so many other factors that make McDonald's the number one. And like the reason this is the happy meal region, it's iconic. So um, that was tough, but Outback beats McDonald's in this one is advancing to the final four bottom region was another one versus two in Chick-fil-A versus Texas roadhouse. This time the steakhouse is not going to win Chick-fil-A um, who may even end up being my national champion. We'll see here in a second. Uh, Chick-fil-A is, is for me. Like I totally agree with you guys said earlier, best fast food, mac and cheese, it's there's just no no we going wrong at Chick-fil-A. Other side, this is where I had more of my upsets. So we had the eight versus the 10 seed at the big menu region. That was Culver's versus Sonic. I had Culver's versus Sonic in this one. And I took Culver's here. Um, I think I think a big part of this, you brought this up, Donovan, it was kind of just the memories of pulling up and having the people bring it out on roller skates when we were younger. That that oh, yeah. definitely creeped back in to my brain in this thinking. And then bottom was Portillo's versus Chili's. Um, I took Portillo's in this one. So that leaves me at a final four of in the right side of the bracket. Culver's versus Portillo's. This is a very, very tough one for me because I will go to Culver's and just absolutely devour burger, fries. And if I'm really hungry, I will get the cheese curds on top of it. But 
I took Portillo's over this one because um, you can get a dog. I don't get it very often, but I do. I, I have gotten Italian beef a couple times there. Um, and then obviously the burger, what I get most often, and then to go with the, the fries and the drink. So Portillo's for me over Culver's. And then other side was what? Outback versus Chick-fil-A. I go Chick-fil-A in this one. So I have a Chick-fil-A versus Portillo's championship. That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. Oh, yeah. I kind of already spoiled mine. I have Texas Roadhouse versus Outback, and I went a little too far, and I already kind of explained myself with the whole cinnamon bun roll things. Um, and the fact that Texas Roadhouse also has a blooming onion, that's pretty damn good. I got to go with Texas Roadhouse. And have you ever gone on a birthday and they bring out that saddle that people sit on and they all go, they have the whole restaurant go yeehaw for you? I mean, that, that's just unmatched. <laughs> I'm going with Texas Roadhouse over Outback. On the other side, I got Portillo's versus Popeye's. Look, it may be the best chicken sandwich I've ever had, but it doesn't beat Portillo's. I'm going. Portillo's with- has probably got a chicken sandwich that is probably as good. Just no one has it because there's so I, many things. I actually, you get at I actually think they do have a chicken sandwich. I think I saw an advertisement for it last year. Which Probably. again, though, again, though, they wouldn't have a chicken sandwich if it wasn't for Popeyes. This is true, but no one's going to Portillo's for a chicken sandwich. No, because there's ten million other things they'd rather get. Which is why Portillo's moves on to the championship. There's nothing better than an Italian teeth baptized in its own beef juice. Yes, it's insane. Yes, I had one of those over the weekend when I went home. Oh, I can't wait to go home. Cheese fry, little chocolate cake shake. Like it's like it's like diabetes in one meal, but it, you gotta oh. Do it. Oh, it's <laughs> the best. The best you can do in the Midwest. Exactly, Midwest knows food. But regardless, I have Chili's and Wendy's in my national championship. And as much as Wendy's is nostalgic to me, and as much as I do, kind of, I am kind of mad at Chili's for increasing the price on their three for 10 best chips and salsa you can get the best. Uh, I mean, they, they got everything. They have everything. Their bacon ranch chicken quesadillas are unmatched to anything I've ever had. And you have the fact I can get a nice Caesar salad, act like I'm being healthy while eating it. Oh yeah. And if I want to get a dessert, don't even get me started. The, hot cookie with an ice cream on it my two top all-time tier. my two all-time favorite desserts cookie ice cream and you put them together ladies and gentlemen chili's is your best fast food chain restaurant it's so good and you um, can get the sorry. thing you always do the thing where it's there's a two for 25 i yes um and it's like the fajitas are on there. Those quesadillas are on there. There's a bunch of good stuff on there. And you get that, you get a free, uh, or I'm, I shouldn't say free. It comes with the two entrees, an appetizer, guac, queso, whatever. And then you can do, um, yeah, you get that cookie skillet. Incredible. Great dinner. Oh, oh. My final for this one, um, just with me. I think, I think it's the mac and cheese that put Chick-fil-A over the top. I mean, that's not even like my main thing. That's just an extra added on bonus to the meal after I eat chicken and your fries. And that is just unbeatable. 
And also too, like, I know when I go there, I'm not going to wait forever in the drive through line. I mean, they're so efficient with that system they've got going on. So I take them over Portillo's, not that Portillo's doesn't have those things in the efficiency of the drive through line, but I can get Chick-fil-A all year round, whether I'm at home or in Columbia and Portillo's I haven't had since winter break. So this was a tough one. Um, you never like to pick the one seed because you just feel like there's upsets that are going to happen. But I thought Chick-fil-A was the solid of enough one seed to where I'm not worried um, about them. So Chick-fil-A, man, that's mine. Picking a restaurant that's not even open seven days a week is bold, man. It is I don't bold. Care. I don't care. It's actually open. Uh... Look, my buddy, shout out Brett. I know he'll probably be listening to this. Um, you made the best point I've heard. The one time you want Chick-fil-A out of the week is Sunday. I don't know about that. I, I, I don't I think that's the kind day of I a, want Chick. I, the day I want Chick-fil-A most is Sunday. You I say have, Sunday's the best day of the week. Is that what I just heard? No, no, no. I'm just saying when I want Chick-fil-A the most, when I'm like, man, I'm hungry. What should I get? Chick-fil-A. It I just so happens to be I'm, Sunday. I've had far too many of those instances in my life. Do you know how many times I've gone to a Chick-fil-A on a Sunday, pull up, and I'd be like, fuck, it's Sunday? I can't remember the last time I've sat down and watched a football game, NFL Sunday, and thought, I need Chick-fil-A. That's what I need right now. As much as I love Chick-fil-A, I just don't have that problem. But that's going to do it. Colin, did you pick your winner? He did. Texas Roadhouse, right? My winner was Texas Roadhouse. All right, so Texas Roadhouse, Chili's, Chick-fil-A. We'll tweet out the bracket. We want to hear what you guys say. We'll tweet out our uh, our winners. We'll kind of debate this more, uh, shit on each other's picks. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to try and do a lot more brackets like this, try and get a lot more interactive. It'll be fun. Um, but before we wrap up today's episode, very important. A couple weeks ago, not even a couple weeks ago, like a couple, yeah, about a week ago, let's just say that. The brand new football league had its draft, oh, USFL. Yeah. We were first given the coaches, and the most appealing one was Jeff Fisher with the uh, Michigan Panthers. I think that's their team name. Um, a lot of people hopped on their bandwagon. I said, no, no, no. I want to know the jerseys first, and I want to know the quarterback. And then I'll pick my team. The New Orleans Breakers, without a doubt, have the best uniforms. Never did I know navy blue and baby blue could mix so well. And they do. And then you have the fact that with the last pick in the first round, last pick pick a quarterback, they get a steal, a stud, a preseason mm-hmm. legend. Ben knows who I'm talking about. The Kyle Sloter. What, what are we even doing here, folks? Give the championship back to New Orleans. I am a New Orleans breaker stand. Ladies and gentlemen, come ride the wave with me. It was really tough not for me to be a fan of New Orleans, and I was not a fan solely for the purpose is I didn't want to pick the same team as you because it is undisputed they have the best jerseys. It's not even close. I mean, what, six out of eight teams have some sort of red in their jersey combination. And to Slaughter being a former Minnesota Viking, I would have started him over Sean Mannion in that Sunday night game uh, for the Vikings this year, if we're just being completely honest. And someone that I could look forward to watching play the second half of every preseason game 
So I think he, I would love to see him over the course of an entire USFL season, like show that, I mean, obviously the competition is much worse than even a preseason game, but still um, the start games, I think would be really cool, but I did not go with him. I wanted to go with Michigan because Jeff Fisher, I thought would be fun to root for, but the thing is there, I, they lost me immediately when they took Shea Patterson, number one. I don't think that was the move there. He's not a good they quarterback. Took him, they, they took him one, one. Yeah. Michigan had the best coach, decent jerseys, and the first overall pick, they blew it. They blew it. He stinks. When you see the viral video of Michigan after you call a timeout on the very first play of the game at Penn State's whiteout game, it's because Shea Patterson couldn't figure it out. He got blown out by Ohio State multiple times. The guy stinks. So my allegiance will be pledged, even though I don't think he's a fantastic coach. They still have pretty decent uniforms, and they have a fantastic quarterbacks. Tampa Bay with Jordan Tamu at QB. That is my team, and I'm very excited for it. And I've officially given my allegiance by following them on Twitter. And I think that's about the, the, the biggest sign of fandom that you can possibly give. I have honestly debated about getting, like, a uh, New Orleans Breakers hat or, like, a maybe a hoodie. Because when I looked it up, they were on sale. They were, like, 30 bucks. The thing, the problem I have with that is I think it's a fantastic idea but what happens when the league folds after like five weeks, like every other football league has? Like, when was well, the last time I... Colin wore his Birmingham Iron T-shirt? Listen, <laughs> it's it's too small now, and I still have my Battlehawks shirt. And also, the XFL would still be. I it's I know it's coming back, but that league easily would have finished if it wasn't for COVID. Yes, yes, I am Houston Roughnecks to like die. Shout out my MVP, PJ Texas Walker. Cardell Jones would have went full Ohio State National Championship run mode if he had given the chance to play in the playoffs. He the was the worst quarterback in the league. We'll never, we'll never. He know. was out of shape for an out of shape for those first league. five weeks. He was the worst quarterback. He in the was year. good enough to beat the St. Louis Battlehawks. That was the no. last game he played. Houston Roughnecks to like die. All right, this regardless, is, Colin. This is oh, the big decision. Right. Yeah, this this is the LeBron, the decision. We have tried convincing Colin for weeks now to pick a team, uh, whether it's his own team, whether it's one of our teams. Colin, who are you pledging your allegiance to? This is based on a combination of the uniforms and the roster. All right. The New Orleans Breakers have the best uniforms. They do. Um, hands down. I love the helmets. Yes. They're great. Kyle Sloter, great quarterback pickup, especially with the eighth pick. Um, and they have a nice overall roster. I like I like their offensive weapon. At the same time, you know, being a big battle hawks guy, I am a Jordan Tamu believer. Tayamu. Tayamu. I'm not even saying his name right. Listen, that's not how they said it on the Battlehawks broadcast, all right? Anyways, he's my guy. He's my quarterback. That is my quarterback. And when you look at the Tampa Bay Bandits, they also have some pretty cool uniforms. You know, they, I, they, got, they got the Raiders silver in their helmets. They even drafted uh, their first running back, former Raiders running back, B.J. Emmons. He was on the preseason roster. Played pretty good. They also took Eli Rogers, 
former – I think he had like 500, 600 yards in a season in the NFL. Former D.C. defender as well. So, with all that being said, I'm taking my talents to Tampa Bay. Mm. I'm taking my fandom to Tampa Bay. Mm. Welcome. Mm. It's it's just the silver it 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 shines. It it's calling my name. It's the Raiders silver, and it's my quarterback. Listen, you don't have to like your head coach. I mean, I've I've been a fan of plenty of teams where I'm calling for the head coach to be fired, and that's perfectly fine. That's part of the Lakers. That's part of being a fan. The Lakers, plenty of Raiders teams, uh, plenty of White Sox teams, and that's perfectly fine. I don't like Todd Haley, but it's going to have to do. He still has the best quarterback in the league on his side. I think it's going to work out. Um, I mean, I love that. I love the weapons that they have. I think it's going to be a great season. Uh, and all Tampa Bay does in sports now is win championships. I'm rolling with the Bandits, although I'm still a Breakers supporter. Well, if 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 the Bandits get eliminated, there's and, eight teams in the league. You can't be. I'm a fan of one team, but I support the, three if, other teams. If something happens to the Bandits, you know, if if our QB goes down, I I will I will certainly. Oh, so you're essentially saying if. Shit hits the fan early on bandwagon breakers. I will God. not. I stick with my quarterback. All right. I don't know. I don't know how many games are playing. You go I am a I'm a Raiders fan, but I support Buffalo when the Raiders get eliminated. That's different. There's 32 NFL teams, not eight <laughs> USFL teams. I love what the breakers have going for them. And that's like 30. saying I'm a Cubs fan. I want them to win the NL Central every year. But hey, if they blow it, let's go Reds. Uh, listen, if shit hits the fan, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a Breakers fan, but I would want them to win it over the other teams in the organization in, in the league over these other organizations. Whatever. We'll continue oh, this on to Twitter. I hope. I hope Jeff Fisher has a good season too. You know, I might hop on the Panthers bandwagon. He he needs an NFL gig. I'm a, I'm a Jeff Fisher stand. But holy cow, what an episode. Uh, it was a couple weeks, so thank you for our listeners uh, for being patient. Um, great episode. Got a lot done. Uh, we're hoping to be a little more active, not only on the podcast, on Twitter as well. So please follow us at Tub Talk Sports at Twitter on Twitter. And uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, share it. Tell your family. Tell your parents. Spring break's coming up. To all the people you meet on spring break, listen to our podcast, and we will see you all in the next episode. Peace.